So I think my favorite part of that video, besides it's just being like always cool, is like when Gwen lifted the plate. I don't know if you guys heard it up here. There's like four people in the back that went, <gasps> like that. And I mean, rock on, but at another time, you gotta get out more if that's what's exciting you, all right? I mean, I'm just saying it. <laughs> so here's the driving question again. What step of faith is God asking you to make? And I want to introduce you to someone else right now. This is Mia Kennedy. And Mia, I'm going to hand this over to you right now. Mia Kennedy has decided to move to Africa forever, unless God says a little bit sooner. All right? Mia is leaving in three weeks, and she is someone who is taking an incredible step of faith. And I just thought it might be cool if she could share some of her story with you today and what God's been doing in her life. And, and what, I've heard, what I've found is by hearing what God's doing in someone else, it sometimes gives me a window into what God is calling me to as well. So off the back, can we just like welcome Mia here today? So Mia, let's not take for granted that like anyone really knows you here. So if you could just maybe give a brief introduction. We know your name, but like where do you call home? And um, tell us a little bit about your relationship with Christ, all right? Yeah, absolutely. So um, yes, I'm Mia. I'm from Grand Junction, Colorado, which if you haven't heard of is nobody's fault. Um, it is the biggest city in between Denver and Salt Lake, but that's not hard to accomplish. There's nothing there. Um, so I, I mean, my, my faith story is actually pretty unenthralling. Um, I grew up in the church. I was born in a church. Um, and so... Were you literally born in a church? No. Oh, because that would... That would have been really cool, level. though. Yeah, all right, all right. I've been like, see, I knew I was destined for God's service. I was born at the altar. Yeah. Expecting um, moms, though, think about it. Just, think about it. It could happen. You know, COVID, anything can go. Um, and I always kind of felt interested by missions. I'd always been filled with uh, wanderlust and I wanted to go and travel. Um, but it just, my family was extremely poor and mission work costs a lot of money. Um, and I just never got the opportunity until I was um, 17 and in a church. And um, we got a, an opportunity for our youth group to go to Tijuana, Mexico. Because that's, that's, like <laughs> that's where you want to send a bunch of teenagers who have never done mission work before from a small white town. Um, and it was, I had gone under the um, thought that we were going to go build a church. Like, that's what they said. You're going to go meet this miss missionary who's lived there for four years, and, and you're going to, like, build a new church for him. And I was like, yes. Like, no interaction with people. I speak no Spanish whatsoever. And, um, yeah, so I thought this was a really great opportunity. I could just go work with my hands. I was like, give me tools. I'm fine. And um, it, that was not how it ended up going. Um, I didn't really fit in with any of the other kids. Um, and I was just like, this is, I'm so disillusioned from what I thought this was going to be. And I got to Tijuana, and it was not what I thought it was going to be there either. And um, I didn't end up liking the pastor. <laughs> um, after four years, he still couldn't say, God bless you, in Spanish. And I thought that was a little bit weird. Um, and it turned out there was no church to build. And I thought that was like what we were there for. And I was like, I don't, then what are we, what are we doing here? Um, and they're like, oh, well, you can go clean up the alley behind the church. And we're like, that's awesome. We're going to go clean up a homeless alley in Tijuana with a whole bunch of like 16 and 17 year old white kids. 
Um, so that was fun. And then like we did that in a day and we were there for like five days and they're like, what do we do next? And um, so they're like, well, here's some pamphlets in Spanish, go, go hand them out to the community. Just go into Tijuana and hand these out to strangers. We're like, okay. Um, except for me, because I'm an introvert. I don't like getting out and like talking to people like this. Fine, that, no. Um, and so I hung back with like, from, like with our, our chaperones and I was like, I'm not gonna go hand these out. I will not, you cannot make me. I am here to work with my hands. I am here with tools, like you cannot make me hand these out. And just absolutely terrified. And so like I just like I absolutely just hardened my heart and I was like, this is not gonna happen. This is way out of my comfort zone. I will not do this. And um, so I'm watching all of my like my mission teammates going out and like they're handing out to everybody and they're chatting, it doesn't matter to them, they don't speak the language. And I I think I handed out like one flyer, and I think the guy already had a flyer, and I just handed it out anyway. And um, we are walking down the street, and there's, I mean, like, it's just poverty beyond anything yeah. I'd ever yeah. experienced in my life until then. And so we're walking past shacks and houses, and some of them have, like, these, like, tiny little fences in front of them to try and be like, this is, this is our little land. And we were walking past one, and there was this little girl who was probably, like, two, like, dressed in rags, sitting in the front yard. There was just dirt, and she was just covered in dirt. And it was just one of those like full stop moments where I was like, her, right? And um, I just kind of stopped and like stared at her for a second and the two chaperones were like still just talking um, and they didn't even notice. And I was like, you know what? I'll bet I could go talk to a kid. Like a kid's not gonna judge that I don't speak Spanish. She probably doesn't even speak Spanish yet. Like she's two, it's fine. Um, so I just like jumped the fence which is easy, I'm super tall. It was like a little step. Um, and just walked into this kid's yard and just like kind of like crisscrossed applesauce and sat in front of her. And we just like shared this moment um, where I just you know, like stared at her and I, I touched her leg and she touched mine. Um, and then I was like just overwhelmed with sort of the voice of God. Cause I feel like God has a tendency to be like, touch, touch, touch. And if you don't respond, he's like, Boom. And like that was my that was my like jog the head moment. Um, and I was like I was filled with so much anger because I was like, I came to work with my hands. I came to build a church. I came to use tools. And God was like, I know that's what you're doing right now. And I was like, oh. And see, in my head, I thought building a church meant like, here's four walls and a roof. And that was not what God was trying to tell me at all. He was like, no, 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 no. You build a church with the people. You have to go out and use your hands. Like, this is using your hands, and I already gave you the tools, and they're not the electric kind. Um, and it was just such an overwhelming moment for me that I was like, I get it. I, this is how you build churches. Um, and it was just like, oh my gosh, it was like a light switch went off, and I jumped, the, <laughs> jumped back up, and I just walked through this person's house, and I was like, game on, and like, and I found the mom in the backyard hanging up laundry, and she's like, there's this weird white woman like, standing in my doorway, um, and I gave her a, like, a, a pamphlet, and then like, I was off, and I was going into people's homes, I was going into businesses, and just handing out like all these flyers and didn't even, didn't even care where the chaperones were. They didn't know where I was. I was like, she'll, she'll be fine. It's good, it's Tijuana, it's not like it's dangerous. 
Um, and somehow managed to get back to the center. And they were like, so where have you been? And I was like, I don't even know. I got lost somewhere. With that exact smile on your face, I think, too, probably like, at the fine. time, right? It's just yeah. fine. And what I love about your story is it's like, it starts out of this place of like utter fear, of utter like refusal, yeah. even, yeah. of utter misconception of what's actually going to happen. And somehow through it, just that small step. And that small step led almost to like the floodgate opening absolutely in a way that you you can never have planned for you can never have anticipated you probably would never have said yes to if you knew it going in oh absolutely right and here you are today it's what 15 years later give or take sure we'll roll all right let's go all with right. that <laughs> and now you're gone from this this like high school kid you're like trolling the back alleys of Tijuana, you know, to... For a good reason, though. Like, that sounds really terrible. <laughs> yeah, it did sound terrible, didn't it, the way that came out? But no, it's, you know, we'll, we'll go with 15, 15 we'll years 15 later. 15 years. I like that one. And now you're moving to Africa. Mm -hmm. uh, why? <laughs> um, yeah, so, ironically, when I got back from that missions trip, the church had arranged another trip for the adults to go to Uganda, and that was really the, kind of the first time I'd even heard of the country. And um, I really wanted to go on that one, but it was like $2,000 and I had barely raised the 500 to go to Tijuana and it just, you know, wasn't gonna happen. And my parents were like, no, that's probably not safe. <laughs> like, luckily they're also awful at geography and know nothing about Tijuana. Um, and I, I just was like, oh, this is, this is where I, I wanna go next. And it just didn't end up happening. But um, some of the people who did ended up going um, would years later then found the Hope Center Uganda. And so when I was, it was about five, six years ago, um, the wanderlust was kicking in again. And I was like, mm -hmm. I got to go somewhere. Um, I haven't done a missions trip in a while. I really feel like I need to go out and do something purposeful with my life. Um, I know I'll go there. And so I went there um, and it was only for two weeks because I was like, I'm just going to get it out of my system. And God's like, that's hysterical. Um, so I came back and I, I bonded with like these babies and there's only like four of them at the time. I bonded with them and came back. Um, and then I just couldn't get them out of my head. Um, and like, there's a saying where if you, if you go to Africa, like you will always go back to Africa. Um, which I was like, no, it's fine. There's so many other places in the world. Um, no, but it's true. And I, so I couldn't get Africa out of my head. I couldn't get these kids out of my system. And, um, I kept trying to explain to my parents as I was like, I've got to go back. I've got to go back. I've got to hold my babies again. Um, and they were like, but I don't understand why. Like there's other orphanages. There are other babies. There are other countries. Why this one? And I was just, I don't know. Like that's just where God was like this particular group. Like this is now on yeah. your heart. You're forever. Um, and I was like, all right, that's, that's great. Um, but like my family and my friends still really struggled to understand the drive. And I finally, um, I said, you know, my arms feel empty. Like there's, there's an ache that I know should be filled with these babies and it's not. And it's really hard to have this ache for kids that you can't get to because they're on the other side of the world and you're like, I just want to show them love. Like there's nobody else there to show them love. Like these kids need me. And what else am I going to do with my life? Like, yeah, I could stay here. I could pop out kids of my own, but that's not in the part. Like, that's not in the cards for me. Like, I don't want to do that. I have no desire to, like, reproduce children. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, bring me the ones that already exist. Like, 
that's a totally different story. Um, and so I just, I just had this daily ache, like, like the spot on your hip where you put a kid, like was empty, and I was just always very aware that it was empty. Um, and like, you know, I'd sit down and like my lap would feel empty. Um, and so I was like, I've got to go back, I've got to go back. And so uh, it was about a year later, uh, I was like, yep, let's just, we're doing this, it's happening, I don't know how, but it's going to happen. And so I, I gave up my, my really good jobs, I gave up my car, I gave up my condo, I gave up everything, and I was like, I am moving to Uganda for six months. Like, I'm going to give it six months, we'll see what happens. Um, and then I ended up getting really, really sick when I was there, and was in the hospital, and the Ugandan doctor was like, no you're gonna go home. And I was like, to the center. And he was like, no, if you stay in Uganda, you will die. Like, you have to get back to America. We don't know what's wrong with you, but you can't stand to like have any more internal organs shut down. We can't stop it from shutting down. You're done. And I, I really felt um, very confused, but also I felt very betrayed by God. Because I was like, you called me here. I committed to this. I did everything you asked me to do. Why are you punishing me? And, um, you know, I think retrospectively looking back on it, um, there was other things at play there that he had to remove me to take care of, you know? Um, and that now that it's kind of a healthy situation again, God's like, all right, and go back. Um, and mm -hmm. so it's just been you know, four years of not really understanding, but still feeling the call, but knowing it wasn't the right time. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, I'm geared up for the next step. And I've just like spent four years on like high gear, ready to go back. And um, now it's just, it's finally time. And what's so cool about your story is how from your own planning purposes, you think you have it set, mm -hmm. <laughs> but there's other forces at play and life never works out quite, right. does it, where I can orchestrate and control everything and how God just seems to come into that and seems to have come into your life. And it, it's these steps of obedience that you're taking out that are almost open-ended. I even think now, so Mia is going back to the Hope Center in Uganda to serve as their director. And there's even many, as I understand, open-ended questions with what is that going to look like? What is in store for the next steps for this place? And, and, and almost this, this strange uncertainty that could close some people down and yet you're doing it. Can, can you talk to us a little bit about just the faith wrestle that goes on in that? Um, yeah, um, I don't, when I contacted um, Barbie and Steven, I was like, hey guys, if you hear of a job opening somewhere, let me know. And they were like, funny you should say that. Um, you know, that kind of a whole situation. And then it started to, to kind of come to fruition a little bit. And I got really excited, but then there's also like the, the definitive struggle. And then, I would, you know, I'd go through these phases where I was like, yes, yeah, super into it, and then super not. And um, then there was always sort of that open, open-ended, you know, area of what are you going to do there? And I was like, I don't care, give me my babies. Like so, so anything else drive? secondary. Was that kind of the drive that took you through to kind of take the steps into the unknown? Is it, I know I want to do this and whatever else happens is periphery? Or is it more of like a daily uh, just conversation with God? I mean, help was, us because uh, yeah. so many of us wrestle with this. It was we? initially the babies. Um, that was like sort of the opening gate where God's like, walk through this door. It's going to be fine. Um, and I was like, babies. Um, and then now, it, now that, you know, it's kind of coming 
uh, around, there's there's so much more that builds on, and it's like, oh, I could do this, and I could do this, and I could do this. The problem is, like, I just don't know what's going to come to a priority until I get there. Um, and so there is just a really giant question mark of what all I can do, what's the next step to be done, um, and I just I don't I don't care. I don't care what the next step is. I don't care what God's going to have me do. I'm, I'm, you know, open to whatever. Um, I just know that he's going to reward whatever efforts go into it. And that's good enough for me. That's awesome. That kind of faith. That's honestly. So, I mean, it's like, I'm not going to do much to like make it go wrong. (laughs) Like it's a third world country. Um, the, any, any time you can get out there and be like, Hey, this is, this is my faith. This is my, you know, this is my witness. Um, I feel like God's going to reward that regardless of sort of the manifestation that, that comes about it or yeah. hopefully many, many manifestations of faith that come about from it. And I just, I'm, I think the, the lack of knowing makes it really exciting. Okay. Okay. So given that, you know, this is, this is the journey you've been having with God mm-hmm. and the way that he's been asking you to take steps and that you've been responding. And again, I want to reiterate this. You might not be called to go to Africa. Maybe you are, I don't know. But I know God's calling you to do something. There's some kind of step God is looking for you to make. And it's not just one step, it's a multiplicity of steps because it's often you don't see the second step until you take the first step. Don't you hate that about God? <laughs> right? He, you know, you, you want to see the end game. But he's often like, no, just take one more step. And then from there, I'll show you the next step and which direction to go. Given that everyone here has that in their life, whether they realize it or not. Everyone here um, is wrestling with that to one degree or another, whether it's an active wrestle or something that they've kind of shielded out. All of us here have that, right? Yeah. What encouragement could you give to them from your own walk with God um, and taking these steps? Yeah. So I had a really, a really interesting moment when I found out that Uganda was open um, and I went like, yay, no. Um, and it was just like this overwhelming like, panic that suddenly set in like this panic had never been there before but it was as soon as I heard Uganda was open I started going how can I procrastinate on this like how can I push this out like I'm not ready for this um like my my real estate career is taking off and I'm finally debt free and I can buy a house and like I don't want to go right now like I wanted to go four years ago and like nine months ago and like four weeks ago and everything sabotaged along the way yeah. yeah um and then it was as soon as it hit I just I really wanted to procrastinate. Um, and so rather than praying about it, I got on Facebook and I was like, I'm just going to distract myself. And then like, <laughs> because God has just this hysterical sense of humor, um, I came across a meme and the meme said, um, procrastination is the audacity to demand that the universe give you a second chance. And I was like, oh, it's rude. <laughs> Um, and the more that I sort of thought about it and processed <laughs> through it, um, I kind of took it to a, a personal level where I realized that for me, procrastination on this would be sort of the audacity or the arrogance to ask God to put his plans on hold because I'm mm. not ready yet. Um, but if God's put that on your heart, you are ready, even if you don't recognize it yet. Mm. Um, and I was like, who am I, this like little nobody to, to ask God to be like, could you just hold off for like five minutes? Like, I just want like another five weeks to make some more money. Um, I just want another like five weeks to hang out with my friends. 
Um, like, who am I to ask the creator of the universe, like, no, 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 five more minutes, just five more minutes. Like, no, go do it now. Um, and, and I think the, the really great thing about God is that he's so focused on a community. I mean, that's why we have churches, that's why we have communion, it's, it's, the, it's the relationships with people that sort of help um, cement our relationship with the creator. And um, that I think my, my friend support was definitely there. Um, and my friends were all like, no, you need, you need to go. Like, you need to go do this. My family doesn't care whether I stay or go, but my friends are like that super supportive, um, like stop procrastinating and please don't use us as an excuse. Hmm. Please don't use your job as an excuse. Um, and I've got, you know, my, my best friend who, she's my best friend because we call each other out on stuff. And she was like, how dare you? How dare you? Like, God's called you to Africa. How dare you say no? How dare you ask for more time? Um, and I was like, yeah, it's, it's rude. <laughs> Did she write the meme? She, yeah. No, yeah. shockingly, that was somebody else. <laughs> We're not speaking, I'm just kidding. Um, and so, yeah. yeah, it's you will always find reasons to not do it. Um, but you never know, and again, it goes back to that sense of community, maybe what God's called you to do is the next step for somebody else to do something. Um, you know, maybe it's God needs you to go here so that he can bring somebody else along or that he can move somebody else to their next step. And so you procrastinating is not necessarily just you withholding your own blessings from your life, but you might be stopping somebody else from being able to move on to their next blessings. Wow, that's, that's convicting. You know, yeah, you it's rude, right? Yeah. It's rude. Yeah. Well, Mia, I, I mean, I just, I want to thank you so much for coming here today. She leaves in about three weeks for Uganda, and we'd love to pray over you yeah. here, and if any of you would like to kind of stay in touch with Mia or hear what's going on at the Hope Center, come find me or one of our ushers after the service, or Steve Wells, we can kind of key you in. I do but... have a Facebook group that I'm starting for this whole thing. Are you? Yeah. Fantastic. What's your Facebook group? The Africa Chronicles. The Africa Chronicles. Check out the Africa Chronicles and uh, skip me as the middleman. All right, yeah. fantastic. <laughs> Love to pray for you. Yes. And if we could just join together, maybe, and pray for Mia here today. God in heaven, I want to thank you for this, this amazing woman who's fought with you and wrestled with you and listened to you and stood toe-to-toe -to -toe with you. And I thank you, God, that you're a God that never gives up on us. And I thank you, God, that you're a God who has not given up on her or any of us here. Bless her, God, in this season. I do pray you surround her, keep her healthy, strong, safe. Watch over her soul, her spirit, guarded God from, from the disillusionment, the anger, the frustration that is inevitable in mission work and in life. Guard her from the evil one who wants to erode her faith and trust in you. We pray that you bless these, these orphans God, that they, they, they find joy and life and a home and family and a future in this world and the world to come. We pray, God, that every step of the way that you frustrate the efforts of, of the evil one who seeks to derail, but even, God, if we have to travail through it, Lord, that we trust that you're there. I pray for everyone here. Our eyes to see and ears to hear the next step you're calling us to make. Ah, Lord, thank you. Thank you, and we pray. Amen. Thank you, and let's give it up for Mia this morning, all right? Thanks for coming out.